Welcome back to Round Guy Radio. We are talking Iowa Heartlanders weekly with David Fine, the voice of the Iowa Heartlanders. And uh, he's got a winning streak to talk to us about. Welcome to the program, David. I love talking about winning streaks. Better than the alternative. How you doing, Dave? You're yes, so well, the boys. Uh, happy everyone's friend. Nobody loves a winner like me. And uh, you guys started out Friday night getting off, getting over the, the hump uh, with a win on Veterans Day against Cincinnati, who was the number one team in the conference. And... Uh, making our Heartlander fans believe that we can win every single time we get on the ice. We may not always win, but it looks like right now we've got a pretty fighting chance. Uh, uh, give us a little rundown. To, let's, let's start with Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. Uh, well, first of all, both games, 4-3 final. Friday night was one of those nights where it makes you fall in love with the sport if you've never seen a game before. And there's pretty good crowds, about half full um, at Extreme Arena. And, uh, you know, it's a tough it's Thanksgiving weekend. You know, people are out and about and such. And so half full, we, that was our goal coming in. We hit our goal for both the Saturday and the Sunday games. That was good um, from a crowd perspective. And the crowd was active and involved and in great and all that stuff. But I think that from the, um, from the game standpoint, Iowa overcame three one-goal deficits. They trailed one nothing, 2-1, and 3-2. And each time they found a way and did enough to come from behind and win. And a win like that for a team that had not won in two weeks um, was just, it was just cathartic. Like, it was elation. The guys had a big release of emotion after the game. And that they were just relieved. Like, because Iowa had had, had a couple games with some bad hops. They lost a bunch of one-goal games. They had lost three straight in overtime um, or the shootout. And it was like, what do we need to do to just to get the, to get the apple here, to get the, the apple at the end, of the, the end of the tree kind of thing? And they finally were rewarded with one of the most spectacular individual plays that will happen this season in which Brendan Robbins for Iowa, who's a really speedy, good defensive forward, but he's good at He's a good centerman. He can do a little bit of everything. He had some scoring potential. And he finally, finally, when I say finally, he was getting looks all game and he missed the net a few times and go on and on about, you know, his, his strict chances beforehand. Um, but he created an opportunity at the front of the net. He drove wide to the bottom of the right circle. And then he swung it in front. He went on the backhand. Then he scored. And Iowa won the game. So that was the Friday game. Yeah, that was that was terrific. I never, I don't know uh, if there's ever been a, a, a franchise that needed to win. Uh, you needed to win in the worst way. You needed to get your fans, you know, get your fans back on board. And holy cow, you just uh, you just kicked the door in and busted it in. And you did it at a perfect time when you were on uh, the the television show, the MC Twenty Two. Yeah, it's fun when he went on television. I, I love those games. They treat us like we're in the NHL. It's cold for us. Like, they really do a nice job of, I, like, the teamwork perspective there is just, like, the biggest thing that jumps out to me. Like, they're treating us, Dave, like we're in the NHL. Like, they are, you know, feeding us stats in our ear. We have a statistician sitting next to us. They're, you know, saying, hey, what do you want to talk about next? Like, they're asking us. Just like they're using our expertise, we're using their expertise. They get cool shots of stuff, so it's it's a great marketing opportunity for the team, and it's nice to get a win on there because that thing is broadcasted in three different states: broadcast in Iowa, and Illinois, and in Indiana, where media has coverage. 
And so we love when you went on the big TV game because there's a big crowd that's all watching and wanting to figure out what's going on and why why is this on TV tonight? And guess what? They do a great job production-wise, and we get rewarded with a win, with an overtime win, our second win of the year. And um, I said on the air at the time, it felt like a signature moment. Um, I just had no idea what was coming next, which was yesterday on Sunday, which was also – Iowa would have been content – to get a point out of yesterday's game. The Heartlanders went to overtime again. They overcame another deficit in the third period. They're playing the best freaking team in the league that had 10 wins and had lost twice the entire season coming in. They were 10-1-1, one and one, and Iowa puts them down with two more losses. So, um, you know, Iowa ends up winning both games, both in overtime. Matt Murphy won it yesterday. And, you know, it was just it was just a great, just a great weekend for the Heartlanders to start getting this thing turned in the right direction. Now, I asked Mark this question, and he, he was a little 50-50 this game, 50-50 the first ever Heartlanders game, but I felt like this was the biggest win in, in franchise history. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, I think that I'm not disagreeing with Mark, but I hope that there are bigger games this year. I think that this reminds me, and I said similar things on the air yesterday. The game yesterday reminded me very much of the games against the Toledo Walleye uh, at the beginning of December of last year, which was, for all intents and purposes, the first inflection point of Iowa getting close to making the playoffs last year. If they got swept by Toledo, a team they had not beaten the entire year, um, they were 0-5 against Toledo, and they won two in a row against them. If they had not beaten Toledo in those back-to-back games at a very similar point of the year, in early December, they could have been 10 games below, getting their 10 games below Hockey 500. Similarly, if Iowa had lost both games in regulation, they would have been 1-10, in 1-10-3, which would have been, oh my God, you know, like that's your circle in the wagons kind of stuff. Um, so this is a positive development for the Heartlanders to get started in the right direction with what I felt, Dave, was a clear identity. It was, we are going to not, you can have the puck in our offensive zone. You can take shots. We're going to block them. We're going to do it the hard way. We're going to get in the corners. We're going to wear on your defense. And we're going to be patient so that when you make a mistake, you pay for it. And Iowa was outshot in their game yesterday pretty heavily. What? They did not allow grade-A scoring opportunities. They let Corbin Kaspersky see the puck. He made 34 saves on 37 shots, and he had a fantastic two games. Saved the team arguably both nights. He was fantastic. Not that Trevin Kozlowski would have done any differently, but Corbin was fantastic both games. And again, it's two wins of three. Iowa still is you know, in last place in the division. They're two points behind Toledo for six. Toledo's normally a lot better than this. They'll certainly improve. Fort Wayne's had a rough start. Wheeling's not on their best. Kalamazoo can do better. But Iowa's all of a sudden six points out of a playoff spot because they beat the best team in the conference within their division as well twice in a row. So this is a, a – a, if Iowa can win a few games – Iowa has six games over the next two and a half weeks, two weeks of hockey. If they can win – three or four of those six when they're going to be on the road and tested against some of the best teams in the league in Canada. If you can find a way to, to, to come out 500 or better, you're going to be feeling very different about the trajectory of the season. 
if you go one and five in these six games, that's you're back to square one and you're looking to find something. So these are not easy games coming up, but this was a great first potential inflection point if Iowa is going to have a successful season. Well, uh, Corbin did so good that uh, uh, super fan Mark Corver wore his jersey to the game Sunday. Uh, but it seems like to me, uh, if I don't remember, my, I mean, it's like he literally has almost all the wins that the Iowa Heartland has ever That's, had. He's, he does. He has all three wins for the hockey team. For this year. But, I mean, if you look back at last year, he had a high percentage, of, uh, a vast majority of the of the, of the the wins was with him between the pipes. There's something about that guy's medal that uh, yeah. it, it, yep. it helps you win. Yeah, and, you know, he gets good goal support, which there's nothing that, you know, goal support, the goalie doesn't control how many goals, like a pitcher, you don't control how many, you don't control at the end of the day if your offense hits two grand slams or if they get no hit. And you might be the tough luck loser, tough luck winner. Hunter Jones has been fantastic this year when he's been here, but Iowa's only scored about two or two and a half goals for him per game. For Corbin, the three games they've won, they've scored four, four, and seven. So that's 15 goals in those three wins. And the other game against Kalamazoo, um, when the Hartlanders lost in, um, you know, in the extra session there, they had, they did okay offensively. It was a close game as well, but you know, Corbin's won the three games cause he's played really well. Don't make any mistake about it, but I always also helped them out offensively. So I think the team feels comfortable, whether it's Trevin Kozlowski, whether it's Corbin, whether Hunter Jones eventually is back down here, which, you know, based on the logjam of goaltending situation in the organization, as Marc-Andre Fleury continues to get healthy, we might see Hunter back here at some point. We might not. If he if he continues to excel up there, he's had a pretty good few weeks because he's had a good few weeks with the Heartlanders as well. So I don't I don't think the team is worried about the the, the goaltending situation. I think what the, the key for the Heartlanders is going to be is they found something in themselves this weekend. They found a they have a way about them now. They have a way about them. And I, I think that the identity that they established this week against the best team in the conference and what was the best team in the league that they now are no longer because they lost two games in a row, I think that's the kind of win and weekend that if you see the team continue to excel, we could look back a month and a half, two months, or at the end of the season and say, hey, this is where the team started to find themselves, a young team started to develop that hardworking, grinding, pretty defensively solid identity that is going to lead them to the next level as an organization. Well, let's talk about the offense. Uh, it looked like to me it was a, a different guy scoring every goal, which, you know, you didn't have a, a hat trick there. You had a, a, a real team win. Uh, and you had like five different guys score those six or eight goals, or, or maybe it was six or seven guys. Yeah, so four games this week, eleven guys had a goal, which means two, you know, two guys, two and a half guys a game are scoring their first goal of of the weekend. That's fantastic, and sixteen players had at least a point. You only get to dress seventeen skaters. Corbin Kaspersky had one of them. So basically, of the skaters that played for Iowa this weekend, they're only they're only a, you know a handful that didn't have a point. By the way, one of them was Yuki Mura, who may have had the best offensive weekend in terms of his forechecking and his ability. Like, Yuki didn't have a point this weekend. It doesn't mean he didn't play well. He played freaking fantastic. He played all phases of the game, and he was really, really good for Iowa. So, again, 
when it comes from the Heartlanders perspective, all of a sudden, when you start to find that, hey, Alec Bretzman is capable of scoring goals, and so is Tommy Paratino, they did not even score this weekend. And they still had a really successful offensive weekend for this team. So they have the depth. Like, that's the thing about this team that was befuddling when they started off with all the wins and uh, with, with only the one win is you would still see a, a new guy would kind of score a goal every weekend. Like even I go back to, you know, when they played, I'm, I'm trying to think here when they played um, at Wichita, which was like two and a half weeks ago. Now, Tommy Paratino scored his third goal of the season. And I was like, wow, like this guy could pace for 15 or 16 goals this year. If he keeps it up, he has four goals. He's still pacing for that recorded way through the season. Cole Stollard had a goal in that game. Cole Stollard's leading the team in goals. Cole Stollard's halfway to the number of goals he had all of last season. Alec Bretzman's got two or three, two goals. And, you know, even this past week, he would be played to a plus three. Like, that's the kind of stuff where you look at it and you're like, oh, these guys are not guys that are expected to score 20 goals. But if all these guys can find a way to score 10 goals, you're putting a lot of pressure on the defense. And I think the Heartlanders have found a way with their, their current group of guys that even though – they don't have, and they would admit this, like they're missing five players, four skaters in the American Hockey League right now. Four guys that are point per game players are currently up in the American Hockey League. And that, we might not see them again, because guess what? All four of them have earned their opportunity to play with the Iowa Wild, or in Matt Boucher's case, with the uh, Belleville Senators. Those guys are on AH, well, Boucher's on a, on a PTO, but the other three are with the Iowa Wild on AHL contracts. That's well, fine. I'm going to leave that where it is. But if you get the kind of depth that the Heartlanders have, and then if at some point you add those guys back, if the run of the numbers in Minnesota and Iowa Wild can, can, can stay healthy a little bit, you have a really dangerous squad if you match that with the fact that you can get scoring from anywhere in the lineup because they already just showed the past two weeks that they can get scoring from anywhere in the lineup. So, this weekend was huge on a number of fronts, Dave. I could go on and on about the defense and the improvements of the defense, but you had 11 guys score a goal, 11 unique guys score a goal in four games. When Iowa went on a seven-game win streak, I'd have to go back and look. They may have had 11 guys score over the entire win streak because of the dominance of Bennett and Kuffner and Zach White. So, like, that's the thing that keeps on jumping out to me is that they have three really solid lines of guys that can play some defense and can add some offense, too. Well, uh, I heard you mention Mira's name a lot. You know what I mean? Mira with the ball, Mira on the pass, Mira uh, checking on the boards. Just that you you were mentioning his name a lot if they felt like he was really involved. But Cole Stollard seems like to be the guy that's stepping up to become the leader of this team. Yeah, and I think from Cole's side of it, like on the offensive front, he's not going to – wow you with oh he's the fastest guy oh he's the biggest guy oh he has the best shot but he's found a way and now what's his second season in this league after joining about a year ago uh from the evansville thunderbolts of the sphl but he's found a way where you know he has six goals right now in 13 games one of those is a hat trick so when he has three goals in 12 games and three goals in one game. You know, if you want to, if you want to look at it from that perspective, I don't, he's leading the team with six goals. He's halfway to the 12 he had last year. He's never scored more than 13 goals in a professional season. This is his fourth year playing professionally. First two in the SPHL. Now the last two with the Heartlanders. So, you know, at this point of the season, he's pacing to score 
around probably 20 goals if, if he keeps it up this way and the way he's been uh, been playing. And that would be a major, major, major development for the Heartlanders if Stollard continues to play this way because at the start of this year, you probably had him ticketed for about 12 to 15 goals, and he's already about halfway there. So that, that you talk about exceeding expectations from – uh, a guy that you know exceeded expectations all of last year. If he can continue to do this from an offensive standpoint, it's it, it's it's going to be it's going to be key for the Heartlanders. Well, I think one thing that's been key here is these guys they picked up in these trades who seem to have found their role, and uh, 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 you know that and some some players that I haven't heard of before scoring. Uh, it seems like people are are finding uh, <laughs> finding and and maybe Coach Damon is finding ways to put these guys in there so where they can be successful. Michael Passageoff's the might be the trade of the season if he keeps on performing like this. Um, again, the Heartlanders acquired him earlier in the season from the Idaho Steelheads. They acquired him for future considerations uh, from Idaho. He's got 11 points in seven games. He's leading the team. He's only been with the team for the, just this month. He hasn't played the full month with the team. Um, his first game for the Heartlanders was November 4th, uh, three and a half weeks ago at the Indy Fuel uh, as we hit t- near December here. But Six of his 11 points are on the power play. He's got seven assists. He has five multi-point games already, which is ridiculous for a rookie. Five of his seven games are multi-point games, and his goals have come at important times. He's very timely, and he doesn't make mistakes. I think defensively, there's probably another little step for him to take, but why not? Like, I mean, he's been so good offensively, you just nitpick at a certain point. But past the job, his skill level is really high on this team probably the most skilled forward the team has in terms of the speed, the deking, um, his ability to sashay around the defense. And, you know, he's also just so smart that that's the trade that stands out to me as the one where you can kind of look at it and say, wow. And then the other one is the Tyler Bush trade, which at the time Fort Wayne kind of had a run of extra run of forwards. And, you know, the Heartlanders were looking for a really good, another really good centerman, a little bit right on center, at the time they acquired Tyler Bush, and he's the best face-off man on the team percentage-wise, and he, ta- and, and he takes the most face-offs for the team. Um, and he's got six points in nine games, all of them, well, one goal, five assists currently, and then he had one goal earlier in the year with Fort Wayne. So at this point, you know, he's off to just under a point-per-game start to his season. He's got seven points in ten games. That's really good. That's a really, really nice development for the Heartlanders as well. Well, it seems like a, a, a huge percentage of our games have been on the road. Uh, when check me if I'm not wrong, we either are 500 or close to 500 at home. Uh, yep. what, what's the deal with the home cooking, and uh, why why is that such a good deal for the players in, in the Iowa Heartlanders? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, Iowa's on a four game point streak at home. They have not lost um, on home ice since opening weekend in regulation. They did lose that one game in the shootout, but they're up to three, two, and one at home. But again, all into the first two games, so four game point streak. But yeah, on the road, they got to figure it out. Like, there's no doubt. Like, and and you say, oh, they got to figure it out. Well, what does that mean? I think they've had a little bit of bad luck. They've had a few games there early in the season. Remember, they started with the most abominable road trip possible. They're on a four game road trip, but they had three games in a row in three cities that are all a five and a half, if not more, hour drive from each other. Well, Kalamazoo, Cincy is five and a half. And then Cincinnati to Wheeling is about five, five and a half with a stop or two built in. So, I mean, like they started in a, not, I, wouldn't, I don't want to call it unfair. The, every team has a weekend like that. 
that was the first weekend the Heartlanders had on the road, and it was their worst road travel of the year from um, over three games. They do have other three and threes late in the season. They do have other trips where, hey, we got to go overnight and then play in one city and then, you know, to the next. I'm looking at, you know, in February, but in that one, they play wheeling twice in a row and then they have plenty of time to drive four hours to Fort Wayne and turn it around. And then there's one in late March where they play, you know, Cincinnati, they drive three to Toledo, they drive an hour and a half to Fort Wayne, but not the five and five and a half between games. So I almost throw the first three games out. The team was still so young at the time. They hadn't made the trades for past the job and a few of these other guys um, that have been huge, huge uh, helpers for the team. Okay, so that's thing one. Now, since then, obviously, they need to find a way to win on the road. They, they'd they be 0-5 on the road, 0-3-2 on the road since that point. Now, I think what what this team is going to find is that this week they play at Trois-Rivières, and then next week, starting about a week from now, they'll be at Newfoundland. And that's going to be the true marker of whether there's something in terms of maybe it's the itinerary, maybe it's the, the guys, the way that they're preparing themselves night in and night out. I don't take anything from the road, honestly, from the road performances so far because they've been close in a lot of these games and basically Dave, they've just started to find their identity over the last two weeks and they played a one goal game against the Indy Fuel where they gave up two empty netters at the end that's a one goal hockey game they with two minutes left they could have tied the game and forced overtime and won it like we just saw them do twice in the third period against Cincinnati and then against Kalamazoo they're up a couple goals and you know they just kind of kind of had another learning moment where they got they, they got hemmed in their zone a couple times. They took a bad penalty in one instance, and they ended up losing it overtime to a Kalamazoo team that was really hungry to defeat the Heartlanders in front of a nice crowd in Kalamazoo, too. So, um, again, y- y- they've come close in about three of these eight home game, uh, road games. And then their first three road games was the scheduling just was not in their favor. Three games, three nights, three cities, all about, you know, so far apart, five, five and a half hours to each city. Um, apart and having, you know, to get in the hotel at 4.30 in the morning. So this trip, it's going to be a five-game trip upcoming after the Wednesday home game. The Trois-Rivières in Newfoundland is where I really think we're going to find out what the road Heartlanders are going to be like this year. Well, what is the deal? You're going to Can- – you got a game that, – that game with Kansas City, that's a home game? On Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay, so we got one more chance to see him, and then uh... – so when you go to Canada, is that two separate trips, or you just stay in Canada for the two? Say weeks? it again. So you're going to Canada uh, this weekend, and it seems like you're going to Canada again next weekend. Is that all just going to be we'll one stay trip? There. We'll or, stay there. It's or, one trip. Yeah. So we'll stay there, which is nice. Um, it would be impossible to do it any other way, quite frankly. I mean, <laughs> it takes about 15 hours from Cedar Rapids if you're flying. It's a 15-hour day just to get to St. John's, Newfoundland. And you just reminded me, I'm checking my passport. I'm good to go. I got my passport. My passport's updated. Let's go. I do that. I just had to find it in my uh, in my apartment here. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, um, but yeah, the Heartlanders uh, will be on the road uh, for a week and a half. So we're leaving. The scheduling is just, I mean, I look at this stuff and, and we kind of laugh and we shake our heads to a certain extent, which is here's why. The team plays, Dave, Wednesday night at home gets up at three in the morning, you're at the airport by five in the morning kind of thing. You fly to, to Montreal, you, you, you take a bus, we're getting rental cars, we're renting a couple cars and going two hours to the east of Trois-Rivières. Um, and, so, and then you're playing the next day, which every team has to deal with something like that at the start of the year, but it's just a long travel day. And then the good thing is once the team's in Trois-Rivières, they get three days to hang out there. 
then the, they play Trois Rivieras. Um, 3 p.m. It is 3 p.m. on um, what day is that? 3 p.m. on the Saturday, 2 p.m. Central. Saturday early home games just outside of Montreal, and then the next day they fly to Newfoundland, which will take them you know a long time. Newfoundland's pretty far east. The equipment will come, and the Heartlanders will be in Newfoundland for a full week. So it's not an easy stretch of travel, but at least they get a few days in cities once they get there. But the rest in the rest in recovery coming into this Trois Rivières weekend is going to be absolutely paramount because they need it. Like it's going to be a lot. They're going to play on Wednesday. It's been a busy stretch of games. Long day of travel on Thursday, and then all of a sudden you got to turn around and play Friday. So again, it's hard, but at the same time, Iowa does have an opportunity to continue to establish themselves. And Trois Rivières has been off to a little rough start from their standards as well. They're very, very Trois Rivières can be has been as hot and cold as the weather in a midwestern city. I mean, it goes up and down sometimes with Trois Rivières based on last year as well. So Iowa will get their first look at the Lions. They just lost their last two games after a five-game winning streak. Before then, they started two and seven. So, Trois Rivières is still trying to find their footing as well, for sure. Isn't there some kind of connection with the ownership of the Iowa Heartlanders and this New Newfoundland team? Yeah, yeah. Every Newfoundland and Trois Rivières, the same guy, uh, same organization. Is it same guy? Like it's a like someone casual? No, Dean McDonald is the um, uh, you know the chief executive of Deacon Sports and Entertainment, and he owns the Heartlanders, he owns Trois-Rivières, and he owns Newfoundland. So this is like a family weekend for the Heartlanders, but the players don't care about that. They're trying to win the hockey game. But from a business standpoint, yes, all three teams are owned by Deacon Sports and Entertainment. So not only with this trip to Canada, Iowa is you know involved with with both of their, their, their brothers, so to speak, with uh, uh, Trois-Rivières and with Newfoundland. Well, I hope, I hope they get to enjoy all of that. And uh, But we, we, we're taking a lot of uh, uh, road games. The first half of this season is just littered with road games. When do we get into the groove where we got some home games? Well, we got the Wednesday home game against Kansas City, which anyone that saw Hartlander's Kansas City game last year at home would say you were very highly entertained. All the games were really fantastic, high scoring, a lot of fights. So that's Wednesday, game presented by Mercy Iowa City. That'll be fun. But Wednesday home game right before the Heartlanders hit the road for two weeks. Then we get back and we have a very, very friendly travel schedule for about the next month to month and a half. There's only two road trips for the Heartlanders, three road trips, I should say, um, between December 14th all the way out until the beginning of February. So that's when the Heartlanders play a lot at home. They have the morning game against Kalamazoo on December 14th. December 16th, they play, and December 17th is the big teddy bear toss game um, as well. So December 17th and December 14th are the two, I would say, like the biggest promo nights, both against Kalamazoo, and they play three straight against Kalamazoo. Then they go to Kansas City. They play them four in a row. Um, Iowa's not home until the beginning of the new year, so between December 7th, December 20th to January 1st, they're all on, uh, on the road or traveling back and forth between Coralville and Kansas City. Then Iowa plays Indy three games in a row at the beginning of January. And then after that, one more road trip, then they have a six-game homestand. So the next, like, the reason why this upcoming road trip is, I would say, so critical, and I'm including the Kansas City game in this, obviously, is if you can find a way over these next six games, five on the road, one at home, to finish 500 or four and two, or, you know, it's something the Heartlanders haven't done yet this year. They have not you know, had a road trip where they've won. But if you can find a way to win a few games, Dave, 
you're talking about a really, really different perspective on this season because you have so many home games left. Iowa has only played this year six home games. They have 30 home games left on the road. They've played eight. Um, but, you know, coming into this weekend when Iowa played Kansas City, they had played eight road games and four home games. That's a tough stretch at the start of the year. If it was seven and six or six and six, you'd say, oh, you know, that's about right. That's where you should be. Eight and four is is pretty slanty. Um, and then, again, after they, they play, so they'll play Wednesday against Kansas City, and then they have five and four on the road. So Iowa will be, will be more than a third of the way through its road schedule with still basically 30 home games to go after they play on uh, they play this road trip. So they're going to have a lot of time sitting around, practicing at home, making sure they're healthy, hopefully healthy, get, maybe getting a few pieces back from the American Hockey League if it warrants, if the guys, um, you know, if they can need to continue their development down here. And so I think that this road trip for the Heartlanders is going to say a lot about what we're thinking when we come back in mid-December. Because if you come back in mid-December and you've gone 500 over these last six games and, you know, you're kind of hanging around. Now maybe you have six wins or seven wins and maybe you only have 10 or 11 losses in regulation or maybe you steal an overtime point in one of those like we've seen Iowa do. Um, you're going to feel really good about the direction of this team because they just have so many damn home games left. Dave, like that's the thing that we're, that the, the coaches know as well. Do well on this road trip, and you come back home, and then your travel schedule sets you up really, really nicely over the next month or two. Well, uh, yeah, uh, they, they, they do got some pretty good tricks, but I'm really excited about this home thing because we're just playing so great at home. Home is uh, – Home's where the Heartlander is, I guess, <laughs> as as we say. Yeah. But, and, and what I was saying, Dave, too, is like obviously the team's on the road, but like the schedule sets itself up if you can do well on the road really nicely to come back home and continue to show out in front of your home fans. It starts Wednesday, and then again the big promo nights in December. There's only three home games in December. December 14th is the morning game against Kalamazoo on December 14th, 10.35 a.m., school day game, early start time. A lot of kids in the house going to be loud and packed. December 16th, the Hartlanders at home against Kalamazoo. And then December 17th is the big Teddy Bear toss night. So, again, there's a lot of road games left to come for this team, but the schedule is well, setting itself up well, nicely at home. Let's go back to this uh, 1030 morning. When is this? And and you say you're busing kids in from all around the schools to, to come to this? Yeah, the Iowa City Central School District is the school district first and foremost that's going to be featured uh, on that game on December 14th. But it's a popular idea because it's a really easy way to – you know, it's a field trip. There's an educational component to the day um, that, you know, educational component, meaning like a scientific component, an athletic component. It's like, you know, you're not just going, you don't just go on the field trip. Just it's fun, but you, you go for the educational component as well. And then it's an early pup drop because the kids are in school. It gets them out of school for the day, which I know as a kid, I would have been thrilled to, uh, you know, have a day at a hockey game um, and go with, go with, uh, go with your class and, um, have fun, learn a little bit, not only about hockey, but the educational components that the Heartlanders are building in for that day in just a few weeks. So there we go. That's why it's in, it's popular around minor league baseball as well as minor league hockey's really picked it up. Well, it's, you, it's an easy way to help expose kids to the game. They're going to want to come back, hopefully, and uh, they have a fun educational day. You're, get, you're getting every kid in the school system into the into that arena, and if 10% of them like it, Go home and talk to their parents, man. You're getting some. You're getting some fans that way. That's what I'm saying, Dave. You you understand the 
mission behind the the time, the mission behind the game is to continue to help grow the game, but also to provide an educational component, obviously. But yes, like there's going to be probably a thousand, hopefully a thousand kids at that game that have never watched hockey before. And what if they go and they have a blast and they tell their parents they're hooked and they want to come to games? Yeah, that's they'll, they'll be coming that, home. How was school? Oh, it was the best day of school ever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's a tremendous, that's, that's a win for the kids. That's a win for the school. And that's definitely a win for the Iowa Heartlanders and its fan base. Well, gosh, it's this a has been for a, me. A, a, I'm a morning person, Dave. Dave, I'm a morning person. You are a morning person. I'm got. I love the morning. Oh, we're me recording too. this in the afternoon, but if not for me having three meetings this morning and have to get my hair cut before we're on the road for two weeks that I've had booked for the last two weeks, if not for that, I would have been talking to you at eight thirty in the morning today. So there you go. Yeah, well, it was. Uh, I love the uh, the mornings too. My favorite part about the mornings is breakfast. Uh, Oh, yeah. Big lover of bacon. In fact, we're working with Swift uh, Prepared Meats. Uh, it's going to come on and be one of our sponsors. Uh, that's I how much that. I, I just live for bacon. They actually pay me in bacon. Uh, <laughs> they gave me 30 pounds <laughs> of bacon great. to start out with. I said, that'll do, Lassie. That'll do. Well, also, the best part about the morning games is that, you know, I wake up early. So I'll wake up probably that morning. I'll have most of my stuff probably set up the night before. So I'll probably get up around. Just I'm just I'll wake up at 4:30 in the morning, which is an hour earlier than when I normally get up. Go for a quick like jog, whether it's outside in the in the dark, or I'll go on the treadmill for a few minutes, kind of get the blood flowing. Stop at Brugger's or stop somewhere. Stop at Perkins, maybe right next to the arena, McDonald's. Get myself a big cup of coffee. Get myself a, a bagel of egg and cheese, kind of thing. Have a nice breakfast at like seven in the morning, and then Dave, I'm telling you. This is the best part about the morning games. You get to have two breakfasts because then you're going to have, you want to have something before the game. You know, you have something at six, seven in the morning. You're going to be hungry by 1030 and the game starts at 1030. Well, so I'll have a second breakfast at 10 o'clock in the morning. The game ends. Well, you just finished a hockey game. You know, you're mentally tired, a little physically tired as well, especially the players. Well, mm-hmm. after the game, you got to have lunch and then you get four meals. You have the excuse to have four full meals in one day. What a time. That's the best part about the morning games, the food. That, that sounds like the greatest day in the history of mankind right there. <laughs> it's breakfast. I like I get up and, and uh, I don't jog, but I walk briskly to the bathroom and then uh, uh, lightly walk to the to the coffee maker and to the refrigerator. And uh, that's kind of how I like to start my day, too. Uh, but I love it. I love it. And you know what? You know, Dave, the other thing, last thing I'll say, because then I'm going to take off here as well. I know. We both, uh, you know, with the, the travel coming up here, our coach just texted me something about this travel to Canada. I'm going to have to get back to him here in just a minute. And it is that, you know, what I've really felt this year is that the things that the Heartlanders are battling with this year from a team perspective is so much the, the, the luxury that the team has this year versus last year. Last year, we were about to go through the big COVID weekend and, you know, we had to figure out half of our team in one weekend because guys were going down left and right with COVID. The stuff that the team is trying to figure out right now is fine tuning. Last year at this time, they were still trying to figure out who five or six guys on their team might be. And there were interchangeable parts and guys are coming in and out of the lineup and guys are coming up and down from the SPHL. So the Heartlanders are dealing with a much more streamlined, consistent circumstance than they were at this point last year, which, by the way, it's not unheard of that a team could start slowly as the Heartlanders did and find them they're a way to work themselves back into relevancy in the standings. So if Iowa can keep this up, go on the road, have a few good weeks, then come back home and be ready to show out in front of their home fans, 
I feel confident as do the coaches that they're right back in this thing. And then you got 50 games left or you got 40 games left and you got 40 games to prove your medal. Well, you, there's nothing builds confidence better than winning, you know, and one win led into two wins, uh, you know, win the next night and, uh, Nothing, nothing should uh, be able to bump your confidence better than beating the best team in the league. And uh, I hope so. We got the recipe to win at home, uh, and uh, man, uh, uh, and we're going to have a lot of great chances to see the team at home coming up, and including Wednesday night. If you want to wet your whistle, that's the next opportunity. <laughs> and and everybody loves to fight with the Kansas City Monarch or Kansas City Mavericks. They're they're our our our. Best sparring partner in the league, I think. Yeah, and they're 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 a different team this year. Last year, they had three guys on their team that were out there to fight or injure the other team, and I can reserve my opinions on who that is um, based on the suspension history of some of those players. But um, anyway, what I'm trying to get at is that this year's team for Kansas City, I really like the way they're constructed. They're good, they're skilled, but they also have a little bit of that toughness and that meanness. They, on paper, are a different team this year, and I think that's going to lead to a great hockey game because guess what? The Heartlanders are a much different team on paper this year as well, and both teams have depth, and I think that's going to be showcased Wednesday and a great Wednesday night game at Extreme Arena. So looking forward to having people out Good. of that for that one as well. We win that. We'll have a great home record, and, and we'll have three wins in a row at home. Uh, I, I like I like everything about the way we're playing, and I am supercharged up, and I kind of like these four, four – uh, game weeks because uh, I get to listen to the games and I get to look forward to, to when they're going to be on. And you did a great job. And did we mention your partner that Chris, Chris Peters, he's an all-star. He's the best. He's, he was fantastic. He's the best. I really enjoy listening to him and he adds a tremendous amount. He has a tremendous knowledge and uh, 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 he, he did a great job and maybe he's our lucky, uh, maybe he's a lucky uh, component to this. Yeah, um, it's, uh, you know, Chris is, well, first of all, for those that don't know who we're talking about, Chris Peters is one of the best hockey insiders when it comes to prospect development in the entire hockey world. Like, we're not talking about a guy who's, you know, he's, he's not someone that's, you know, working, working, a, working a retail job and coming in or, you know, whatever it is. Like, we're talking about a guy that has 20, almost 28,000 followers on Twitter, by the way which is like five times more than the team. He's the senior content creator for Flow Hockey. Last year, he was, you know, doing about 10 different gigs at once. And now this is his first year working with Flow Hockey, where he's working with the USHL content, NCAA, the ECHL, soon to be the AHL owns the rights um, in the next few years, as well as Flow Hockey transitions uh, with their purchase of Hockey Tech. He's worked at ESPN and CBS Sports. He used to work for the USA National Team Development Program, um, with media relations and with communications. And this guy grinds. Like, this morning, we, first of all, he came to the game yesterday. He, he he was there with his family. He lives 10 minutes away from the arena, which is awesome, Chris Peters. Um, and he just knows, like, the best part about working with Chris is I know when I mention a player that he has watched them play live before, most likely, or he's watched their games before because – they're not playing in the ECHL unless at one point they were considered, you know, a pretty serious draft prospect or, you know, a guy that he got to watch at the NCAA level. So he has legitimate knowledge of who these people are beyond just, oh, I'm watching them and they're on the other team or they're on the Heartlanders. Like 
he knows the skill set of these guys better than I do in a lot of cases because he's seen them play before. When I say Michael Pastajov, he knows immediately. I watched Michael Pastajov play at the University of Michigan. He's really skilled. He's good defensively. His brother Nick and he are two of, going to be two of the best players in the ECHL hopefully this year. His older brother Nick, just one years older, one year older, born in 1998, and his his younger brother Sasha plays for Guelph in the in the OHL after being on Sarnia at the start of the. But he knows all this stuff in his mind, and then just has to convey it, and he does a good job. And you know, Chris Peters is one of again the best NHL prospect analysts in the entire world, and he works for the Iowa Heartlanders as the color commentator. He lives so close. When he called me, Dave, last night, when he called me and told me, can I like help out in some way? I'd love to come on the air. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to do anything just to help on, you know, I'm too busy to do it every day, but you know, maybe on game nights, if there's some, I said, wait, are you, you're not like Chris Peters, that random Chris Peters, some random guy, like, are you like the Chris Peters that I've been following on Twitter for five years that publishes all this stuff about hockey? <laughs> I said, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, I live 10 minutes from the arena. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was incredible. So we're really lucky to have him in summary. And I can't say enough good things about that guy. And he's helped me out a lot. And we have, we have, you know, he's my broadcast partner. We we're, 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 we're thick as Steve's. So there we go. I'd love to have him on my podcast sometime because I just, I, he was on last year a few times, and I thought he was uh, super fantastic. And he said something in the the game Friday night that really uh, uh, made me start believing that we were that we were uh, in contention in that game. Was he said it was the end of the first period, and uh, the Iowa Heartlanders have skated with Cincinnati, who's the you know basically the best team in the league. You know, and he says we're skating right with them. And I thought, wow, well uh, maybe you know maybe this isn't going to be the nightmare scenario where we get so close and then have it have the rug pulled out from underneath us over and over again. And, uh, yeah, but he, yeah, I, I love the guy. Uh, I, I just, you know, I've, I've just listened to radio broadcasts of sports all my life. It's my favorite way to, to listen to sports and that guy and you are as good at it as, as anybody ever was. And that was a, a pleasure to listen to you guys all Saturday, even the interviews in between. I even liked the, the interview you did with the dentist. Uh, in between. I, didn't I thought that was a David, good David was great. And the Matt, David, 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 the dentist and Matt Murphy. And, uh, uh yeah, I, I got to know the players a little bit. The one you did with Tristan a while ago. I really liked that interview. Uh, you, you're doing a great job at all facets of the game and it's very entertaining and I appreciate you. And thanks for being with us, David. Yeah. Thanks Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Iowa Heartlanders weekly people. You can get it here in Round Guy Radio. Thanks for listening.